The setting sun left northern Florida with a slight chill that Wednesday in April 1930 when Father drove up the driveway from Dunn Avenue in the Model T. He stopped the rattling car and sought out each of his children in turn, 15-year-old Van, Cal and Marcia, 13 and 11, and the younger two, Clarissa and Elwood, who were 8 and 4. In the turnaround, he took them aside to tell them that they had a new brother, though my name had not yet been decided. Later, when I was named Alfred Johnson Geiger, my grandfather Johnson understood that I had been named after him, though it was announced that the name was chosen for both grandfather and Uncle Alfred. My father was born in 1879. He was 51 when I was born. Being isolated on the farm, we socialized with relatives. Elwood was my most frequent playmate. By the time I was three years old, I was helping with the chickens, <laughs> pulling miniature chicken houses around the yard with my tricycle while Elwood fed the chickens, cleaned and refilled their water trough, and gathered the eggs from the north chicken house every evening. These are easy chores for a seven-year-old, but once I started tagging along, he decided to play Tom Sawyer. He delighted me by showing how I could care for the chickens as well as he could. However, after a few days, the job reverted back to Elwood, accompanied by a reprimand. <laughs> we were the only people in Duval County with sheep for a while, probably because this is a horrible climate for sheep, but they helped control the weeds and the poison ivy, which even goats won't eat. We also had a small herd of beef cattle and a few dairy cows. It was said that a professional could milk a cow in three minutes, but it always took me fifteen. Our cows gave two and a half gallons at each milking, twice a day. Sheep and cows comprised only a portion of the farm. Mostly we raised chickens. From my earliest memories until 1955, we had about 500 barred rocks and a 2,000-egg incubator. I store what's left of that incubator in the long chicken house now, but in my youth we used it in the house in what we still call the incubator room. Because of its size, the family had to assemble it in the room and then disassemble it before they could remove it. It stayed in the house until 1949. Two kerosene burners with thermostats heated the eggs to the ideal hatching temperature, although we only needed to burn both of them on the coldest occasions. Eggs hatch after three weeks, but they were staggered, so the incubator ran continually through the winter. It included four decks of four compartments. The upper decks maintained a constant temperature, but the lower ones were less reliable. We never needed all 16 compartments anyway, so we left the lower decks empty. We squeezed between the incubator and the wall to crank the peg protruding from the end of each roll that rolled all the eggs. The more frequently we rolled them, the better the hatching rate. Our barred rocks were about the size of Rhode Island Reds, but I preferred bantams as pets. Miniature red roosters and hens, they were smarter than the barred rocks. If a bantam found a hole in the fence big enough to get through, he remembered where it was, so when he fed him on the other side, he ran back to that hole rather than all the way around the fence. Though they could fly, they avoided it if possible. I had that coop for my bantams that I pulled behind my tricycle, but once they discovered the old camphor tree back there, 
they preferred to roost in it. Every night they settled higher and higher until chickens were sleeping <laughs> thirty feet up that tree. Each morning they glided down in a spiral like birds of prey riding a thermal. Like all chickens, our roosters fought to establish the pecking order, but it wasn't always linear. With some trios, each one would boss one of the others, but not both. Any bantam rooster was the top of the pecking order, though, even if a barred rock rooster towered over him. I helped gather the eggs when I was young. I reached up into the nest, felt around since I was too short to see, and occasionally found something besides eggs. Sometimes a rat snake was in there instead. The jaws of even a small rat snake stretched far enough to allow it to swallow an egg whole. We tried to catch those snakes. We squeezed their bodies, working the egg toward the mouth until the snake's mouth opened and out popped the egg, still intact. But we didn't kill the snake. He was still useful. Instead, we found a rat hole to put him in. Later, we might see the snake along with a long swelling where it had swallowed the rat.